Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Morning. Hope your Tuesday's off to a great start. This is Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. We're here every day, 10 to noon. You can join us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports, Facebook slash Chatterbox Sports. We ask you to please subscribe, hit the notification switch. So when all of our clips come out, if you missed anything, you're all set. Social media, we can be found on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Tom Brenneman TV. That's Tom Brenneman TV as in television. Many of you are choosing the podcast route, and we're right there. Wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever, uh, it's there. Just go to Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Okay, here we go. Winner take all last night in the American League Division Series, but Mother Nature says no, no. So they have backed that up to today, the Yankees and the Indians slash Guardians. Winner take all. Decisive game five. That game is coming up today at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. The National League Championship Series starts tonight in San Diego. And who saw this matchup in their crystal ball? Come on. Be honest about it. You didn't see it. The Philadelphia Phillies and the San Diego Padres. I mean, you look at those two teams this year. The Phillies fire their manager halfway through the year, Joe Girardi. Right? Things are not going well. They're spending a bunch of money, not working out. The Padres have their best player hurt. And then when he comes back, Fernando Tatis Jr., he's suspended for PED use. Who would have thunk it? Zach Wheeler, absolute stud. Uh, If I were a betting man, and I'm not, with Zach Wheeler on the mound, I like the Phillies' chances. You, Darvish, who's had an excellent year, will start it for San Diego. Just uh, for the record, they played seven times during the season. Very low-scoring games. Very low-scoring. One team had an ERA in the seven games. I think I looked it up last night. 3.03. The other at 2.8. San Diego is a pitcher's ballpark. We're going to have the television voice of the Philadelphia Phillies, one of the great broadcasters in baseball today, Tom McCarthy, coming up, joining us from San Diego at 11 o'clock. Football news. And our main man, Trace Fowler, my boss, our CEO, who's sitting in, who's sitting in, who's sitting in today. Of course, Casey McAllister, he's a regular. He's here every single day. Trace was all over Twitter last night. Uh, You're a big Justin Herbert guy. Uh, You have been now since I've known you for a couple of years, and you were not happy with what was going on last night with the L.A. Chargers late in that game. No, we can get into that in a little bit. but when you We're getting into it now. What now? I mean, so I'm, I'm asking you, focused, what was Tom, the problem you, you had? Because sure I'm doing my job, and you're gonna throw me through a loop like this on the very first day. Well, of the you season, send but out. I'm happy on, to get into it. You send out on Twitter. Yeah. That you were gonna sit down last night and you were gonna watch every pitch. Correct me I if was, I'm, I'm getting I, this wrong. I was Tom. First you time said you were gonna watch time. every pitch of the Yankees and the Guardians. They get rained out, so you made it a point to then use that time. To sit down while your wife is putting your kids to bed and she's doing laundry and she's making dinner and she's doing all the other things around there, cleaning up after dinner. And your ass is sitting down ready to watch baseball and instead you're watching an entire football game. 
Yeah. And you got all fired up as your, your tweets came later about what was going on right. with your guy, Brandon Staley, head coach of the Chargers. Well, I haven't watched them a, a, a ton, obviously. I, I watched the Red Zone, which if you haven't watched the Red Zone on Sundays, you're missing out because that's probably the only thing that I would be watching on Sundays instead of watching the actual traditional broadcast. Forget you that. and my son, all you young guys. But, you just can't sit down and watch a game. Well, that's I okay. mean, we can get into that later, Tom. But at the same time, I'm the, I'm the kind of guy that likes the mindset of you, you want to go and try to win a game instead of playing not to lose. And I felt like for a majority of the, the, the second half and especially towards the end of the game, for whatever reason um, – the Chargers were playing not to lose. And in my opinion, ever since I've seen that kid throw a ball at Oregon, I've liked him. I mean, there's not yep. that many there's not that many arm talents in the NFL, in the world for that matter, that can spin the ball like like Herbert can. Yep. And if you got a guy like that, you gotta use him to your advantage and throw the ball downfield. And they did not throw the ball downfield a whole lot. And uh, there was whatever, they had they had three timeouts left, okay, on their own twenty five or thirty yard line with about two minutes left in the game and, and they got the ball around the four minute mark. So I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what you're trying to do. You're trying to play for overtime, and it worked out for him. But that might largely just be because the other side of the ball was terrible, and maybe that was their plan all along. I don't know. Casey, did you watch a game? Uh, I did not. I was not going to uh, force myself to watch another Denver Broncos oh, primetime yeah. game. But uh, it, I should have watched the first half because I was like, oh, this is turning out to be a pretty good yeah. game. It was like – I'm looking here at 13 to 10 at halftime. Yep. I was like, okay, I'll check it out. Watched like the first couple minutes of the second half. And I was like, God, God. Well, that's why the up. wheels fell off. I mean, yeah. it was an exciting first half. Russell Wilson looked like the old Russell Wilson. There was a point in time he was 10 for 10 uh, in that first half. Took him down the field right before halftime. Kicked the field goal to take that three-point lead. And then the wheels fell off on that game. Neither team was sharp at all. L.A. was good enough to win it 19-16. to It's rare, and that was in overtime, by the way. Uh, it is rare that you call a kicker a gamer. Uh, you know, and I've never had anything against kickers. I've worked with a lot of guys who are former players that were not kickers, that don't like kickers at all. That's just the way they are. A lot of coaches don't like them. And I never understood that because those guys can win games for you, and they can certainly lose games for you. But that Dustin Hopkins last night, um, he had a bum leg. He kicked four field goals, including the game winner. And every time he kicked, he fell down on the ground, writhing in pain. But he found a way. He didn't do the kickoffs as the game went on. But uh, I give it up to the guy. I mean, I really give it up to the guy. He was clearly hurt. Uh, but when they needed him most, he delivered the goods. So the Chargers, despite not looking very good so far this year, they go to four and two on the year. Denver, um, this season is falling apart. And I don't know what's going on with Russell Wilson. He's too young. He's too talented. To all of a sudden look like a guy who is at best an average quarterback. So far this year, you could certainly make the case less than an average quarterback. Is it coaching? Is it the offense? The offensive line's all beat up. That was well-documented last night by uh, Troy Aikman. Uh, a lot of injuries, couple of guys. One guy, their starting left tackle, broke his leg last week. So, you know, they, they're piecemealing things together with a lot of backup guys, but, but, but he doesn't look like the same guy. Well, Deion Sanders has had this take for quite some time, and I respect Deion Sanders' opinion. Uh, he's actually kind of been on – he's been out on Russell for a while. And I think he's basically explained to him – or explained to anyone that would listen – that he felt like when he was 
in Seattle that he was not really that great of a quarterback. He just was surrounded by a bunch of guys that could play and go get it and and for whatever you want to call it, call it a system quarterback, call it call it however you wish. He would always explain that once once halfway through the season, teams started to see what Russell was doing, he would always get figured out. And Russell would always be in these MVP talks about halfway through the year in Seattle, what seemed like every single year. And then the second half of the year, he started struggling again. And uh, again, I don't know as much football, nearly as much as Deion Sanders, but he was on this train a while ago. And uh, now it seems like it's coming to fruition a lot earlier in Denver. Yeah, I mean, uh, just to add on that, that conversation, if you think about all the players that he's played with, uh, I mean, he played with... Uh, Marshawn Lynch isn't a bad player. Marshawn Lynch isn't a bad player. Yep. DK, Tyler Lockett, um, Baldwin. Baldwin yeah. was a really great receiver. Um, there's another guy. Uh, is it Percy Harvin? Yeah, great player. Yeah, great God, player. He, a great he was player. one of the main reasons why they Gosh. won that Super Bowl, right? That touchdown. Yep. For, so, I mean, I don't disagree with what you're saying, what Dion's saying, with being surrounded by a bunch of great talents. But it's kind of the same reason why I don't like the other quarterback in this game, Justin Herbert. He just throws it up to his guys, and they go make a play. Mike Williams is a great deep ball guy. He just throws it up and makes a play. When he doesn't do that, he struggles, as you can see in this game. He what didn't about, throw it deep. Well, we, what were about your some, boy, we were doing some research earlier this morning, and it, it popped into my head watching that game last week. And why wouldn't it last night? Why wouldn't it every time you watch Denver? I mean, it's 15 to 12. It's 12 to 9. It's, you know, 19 to 16 last night. And I got to thinking, I wonder, it seems like, and I thought about this yesterday, but more about it this morning. I wondered, is scoring down in the NFL and our defenses finally catching up to offenses? Now, two years ago, it was the highest scoring season in league history. The last two years, that has started to go down. And so far this year, this year, for the first time in forever, the over-under is roughly 50-50 in games this year. Scoring is down on average five and a half points per game. That is a significant difference. And you look at, okay, you know, we follow the Bengals, obviously. The game against the Ravens, this isn't a typical Ravens defense, right? right. Bengals defense is pretty good. They haven't given up a second-half touchdown in six games. Six games, first time since 2000, right? Right. But, but I don't know if anybody – I mean, the, the, the Bengals' defense is not the 85 Bears, okay, or even the Ravens that won a Super Bowl. But you look across the league, games like the other day, Buffalo and Kansas City, high-scoring teams, players all over the field on offense, 23-20 final. I think defenses have caught up. Or is, or is all of those elite quarterbacks that we had possibly in this league that we took for granted for so long, your Breeze, your Brady's, your Manning's, your Rodgers, you, we had five, six, seven, eight, nine Hall of Fame quarterbacks possibly in the NFL at one time. Is that new wave of quarterbacks just maybe not as good as the old guys? That's and a then, legitimate and, question. And then, therefore, the scoring's just down a little bit right now? I mean, all of the rules have been catered to the offense, so that shouldn't be a reason. Hmm. It's a good question. Um, all I know is the numbers, you know, in this case, they don't lie. And you can make stats into whatever you want to make them. But, um, but, but, but clearly, uh, in a, 
there are a lot of good quarterbacks out there. I mean, it may not be Manning and, you know, some of the, that, that Breeze and that group. Brady, he's still playing. But it, it, it just seems like that's the way most of the games in the NFL are going right now. Uh, the Bengals, they are off today. They're off every Tuesday. But they start getting ready tomorrow for the Atlanta Falcons. I think a lot of us looked at that game before the season started and said, well, that's automatic. Don't look now. But Atlanta is tied for first place with Tampa Bay in the NFC South. And boy, do they run it. I mean, they run it. Their leading rusher, Cordero Patterson, receiver turned running back, has been out the last three weeks. They still ran it 40 times on Sunday. They rarely throw it. When they do, Marcus Mariota, right? Everybody's saying a bust. Well, right now, not too bad. They beat the 49ers on Sunday. Mariota threw the ball 14 times. He was 13 for 14 and two touchdowns. And he can still run it. So this is not going to be a pushover. In fact, I don't think the Bengals, the way they're playing right now, yes, they won on Sunday. I don't think that you can look at any game and say that the Bengals have a pushover as far as the win is concerned. That game is Sunday at 1 o'clock at uh, Paycor Stadium. And the Bengals in early six-point favorite. Other news and notes. Robbie Anderson. Wide receiver, used to be with the Jets. And with Carolina, right? He melts down on the sidelines the other day. Goes off on an assistant coach. Gets into it with the interim head coach, Steve Wilkes. Carolina ran him off the field right in the middle of the game. And now they've run him off to Arizona in a trade yesterday. I've noticed many in Baltimore are screaming and yelling with not having many weapons for Lamar Jackson that they should have traded for Robbie Anderson. I don't know much in this world, but trust me, Robbie Anderson ain't a John Harbaugh type of guy. That ain't happening in Baltimore. Tua is back, preparing to start this Sunday against the Steelers. He last played against the Bengals on that Thursday night game a couple of weeks ago when they took him off on a stretcher. He is slated to start the game this week. Good for him. Good to see him back. I don't know how many people care, but the NBA starts its season tonight. Pair of games, Philly and Boston. The LA Lakers against the defending champion Golden State Warriors. Is uh, Draymond Green, you're a big NBA guy, Trace. (laughs) Is Draymond Green playing in that game tonight? I have no clue because I'm not an NBA guy, as as, uh, I think you know, but... I'm curious if he's playing tonight. Does it really matter? I mean, half the league makes the playoffs, and they play like 80-some games. Well, I'm just wondering, Draymond. I mean, he drops his teammate in practice. And um, I wonder if he's playing tonight. We'll find out. College basketball. And I know you're a big college basketball guy. Casey, we've learned that you're not much of a baseball guy. You're new to baseball. You're learning it. You're trying to embrace it. Yep. Uh, Football, you're dialed in. Are you a college basketball or NBA guy? Um, I am a – I will follow UC Bearcats, and if Xavier does well, I'll follow them. But I'm not, like, super dialed in. I know more about basketball. I understand the game better than I do baseball. But uh, baseball is not super hard to understand. But the analytics side of things, like I don't understand any of that. Um, but basketball, I'll, I'll watch March Madness. I'll make a bracket. Um, and, of course, like week one, it'll be blown up. But 
Uh, yeah, I, I enjoy basketball. I, I enjoy the tournament. When that comes around, I really, I really start watching that. Well, the uh, the Blue Bloods are w where they always are, right? When the rankings come out yesterday, North Carolina ranked number one. First time in a long time that's happened for the Tar Heels. Hubert Davis has it going on down there. Gonzaga number two, Houston. Houston ranked third. Kentucky. Cal's got it going on down there again. Ranked number four and the defending national champion. Those are your guys, Trace Fowler. Kansas checks in at number five. That's right. I'm still trying to figure out, and I hear he's a great guy. I mean, I hear he is an awesome guy. I tell my Bill Self. But there are many people who I respect very much that cover college basketball and have for a long time that are wondering how in the world, with everything that went down at Kansas, how in the world the NCAA has not done something down there. Well, you can ask the same question at Duke. Well, a lot of places. I mean. It's the same reason, though. Yeah, that's right, because they're Kansas and Duke. Yeah, you don't, you don't mess with the Blue Bloods. That's right. You just don't. Right? Indiana is ranked number 13. Dayton is ranked 24th. No UC, no Xavier, no Louisville, no Ohio State. Coming up on the show later today, we'll be joined by Wes Rucker, or so we think, senior writer at Go Vols 24-7 Sports at CBS Sports. And he's going to talk about the Volunteers' thrilling win over Alabama last weekend. Talk about that whole scene down there. And then, of course, uh, apparently he crossed the border like millions of others coming back from Mexico. Uh, he is back in the United States, and he will join us uh, at 1135. We have a big crowd with us on YouTube already. Let's see what everybody wants to talk about here real quick. Um, Bob, thank you. Green is playing tonight. Andrew says Robbie Anderson is a clown. Um, Andrew says uh, Cordero Patterson being on IR really helps the Bengals. They're still running it pretty good. Running it pretty good. Um, Riley Salberg commenting about my uh, attire here today. Well, Riley, uh, I walked out the door, forgot a regular shirt, and this is what we get. I like it. I like the look. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, and Reed Mouse, he obviously has nothing to do today. Yeah, he he, uh, he says that Trace was born and raised a Kansas basketball fan, yep. a Georgia true. college football fan, and a Green Bay Packers fan. Yeah. Boy, you know, I tell my son all the time, and his, his line would read much like yours does, ultimate front runner. Yeah, I have a, I mean, I'm not going to stand for this. I, 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 I had to suffer through the days that Georgia football was going, you know, six and four, eight and four, David Green, all the way back to uh, players that obviously nobody even knows anymore. And the reason for this is relatively simple. I was raised by a stepdad that uh, his, his dad played at Georgia, and his okay. dad also played for the Green Bay Packers. So when you get raised in a household, okay. you have no choice. That's, that's who you root for. And then, like anything else, you start following a program for quite some time, you fall in love with them too. As far as Kansas goes, it's relatively simple. There was guys named Kurt Heinrich and Nick Collison. When you're uh, of, a, of an age that you want to be like those players, you try to find people that kind of look like you at times, and that's, that's, they look like me. They're playing high-level college basketball. So started watching Kansas basketball, and here we are. It's no different than Ohio State fans that never went to college there. 
It's a big difference. No. It is a very big difference. You know, you know what's funny about my, me being an Ohio State fan, um, and I'm a huge Ohio State fan. Um, I was never an Ohio State fan growing up right here in Cincinnati. It was only then when I moved to Illinois to start broadcasting the Cubs games that, you know, I'm, I'm an Ohio guy. And, and all of a sudden, when I left and I was living in a different place, and that's the headquarters of the Big Ten in Chicago, um, and it's all Big Ten all the time. So I started to embrace uh, Ohio State and just kind of took them as my team. And, you know, there were some lean years under Koopa Loop. They had all the talent in the world. But they, didn't, they weren't winning a big one. What? John Cooper. What was his name? John Cooper was the head coach. Ohio State, but, it, but the fans referred to him as Koopaloop. He's still <laughs> hanging around up there. Good dude. Great dude. Um, another reason why I would never hire a Pac-12 coach to run my program in the heartland of America. He came from Arizona State. Hmm. I mean, you got cats running around like Chris Carter and Keith Byers. And, anyway. Um so we, we do have Wes Rucker coming up at 1030. Is that right? Yes. I sent him an email link. He was just uh, dropping the kids off at daycare. So family man, family man. Amen, brother. Amen. Um, okay. So what we'll do is we will take a break. And when we come back, Wes Rucker to talk about the Tennessee Volunteers. I mean, this guy, and I don't know why anybody does it, but this guy has been going back and forth all over Twitter. With all these fans out there who are ripping Tennessee. Why even respond to it? Tennessee won the game. I'm going to ask him in a minute. Tennessee won the game. 52 to 49. Say whatever they want. Who cares? Scoreboard. What's he saying? What, what, give me a I little mean, bit they're ta- we'll get into it with him here in a minute. Because, I mean, he, he makes some great points. I mean, he seems like a sharp cat. I don't know the guy. We're about to meet him for the first time. You are. I am. We all are. Um. Are you allowed to say that we all are? Is that yeah. grammatically incorrect? Oh, I, I have no idea. Who cares? Who cares? Okay. All right. Scoreboard. That's exactly right. Sean chimes in. We live in Ohio. That's why you're an Ohio State fan. And, and, and Sean points out accurately in reference to Trace and being all over the board, uh, you can't compare being an Ohio State football fan to being a Kansas fan. That's fair. Come on. No, that's fair. All right. All right, when we come back, we are going to uh, visit with Wes Rucker. I'm looking forward to this because I watched that game, and that scene at, at Neyland Stadium was just unbelievable. And what a game. What In a weekend full of great games. But I'm on the TCU train. Go Horn Frogs. Back in a minute. I mean, how prophetic was that? I said, you know, here I was coming to the picks. I mean, I was eight, nine, ten games back. And then all of a sudden, it's a two-game spread after a couple of big weeks. One team I did not pick was Tennessee. I did not think the Volunteers were going to be up for the challenge. But it was one of the great regular season college football games in recent memory. The scene was incredible. And kind enough to join us from 
I'm assuming Knoxville, Tennessee. Wes Rucker, uh, you're down there, 24-7 sports, CBS. Uh, you cover the volunteer. Are you in Knoxville? Because we've had other guests that follow these various teams that are in different cities. Oh, no, I'm actually in Knoxville, actually, Old North Knoxville. I think about 1.9 miles from Neyland Stadium, so probably enough to feel the earthquake from Saturday if I had been here as opposed to in the stadium where you could definitely feel it. All right, I, I got to ask you, because how, how long have you been covering the team? Number of years now? A uh, number of years, uh, since 2000, I believe. Oh, okay, uh, that's a long was, time. That's a long yeah, time. There was a couple of year, yeah, a couple of years where I, I, I moved away and then I came back. So basically since 2000. Okay, well, was that the best scene at Neyland Stadium that you have seen it, in 20 years? Probably, because my time on the beat was just after that 98 Florida game and, and, and all those things. 2015 Oklahoma, I think the Baker Mayfield double overtime game, that was a really good one. Uh, last year, or earlier this year, Florida pretty good. A couple years ago, Florida, maybe 2016 was good. None of them uh, were, were like that one. The sustained noise in that stadium for that long I think it was like 126 decibels or so. It, it was crazy. And then the fact is that the game itself kind of lended itself to, to being that kind of an atmosphere. You know, you had two really good teams kind of throwing haymakers back and forth. And it, it was it was quite a scene. And then somehow made it down to the media center for post-game interviews through all of that uh, nonsense down there. <laughs> felt like uh, felt like I was playing Frogger a little bit, but made it down there. Well, you know what? Hey, look, I, I love when the students uh, storm the field uh, after big yeah. games. I got no problem with it. I don't understand why yeah, these no. conferences hand out fines. I mean, well, well, you got fined, what, fifty grand the first time, and then they got fined, what? Uh, did I read $100,000 for this one? Is something like that right? 100000 So uh, I think the, the funny thing was, I mean, people know the drill here. There was a video, because you know there's a video of everything these days, and someone up in one of the, the luxury suites had a, had a camera near the UT system president, uh, and, and Randy Boyd, and he kind of looked over and said, hey, we'll, we'll buy a million more goalposts. We don't care. <laughs> let's go. Like, you know, let's, let's do this every game. We'll pay the fines. Who cares? So, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of a it, – it's – I get why they do it a little bit because you don't want to do that every game because it's it can be a safety danger to the people on the field in some cases. But uh, what happened Saturday was just a party. I don't think anybody got hurt. All right, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, this Tennessee team. Um, I have looked at their their non conference schedule uh, this year, and it, it was better than Michigan's. But but you know how much better? I don't know. Um, but the bottom line is they've won every game that they've played, and their offense is fantastic. Tell us about the quarterback, because I did not know uh, that he was as old as he is, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. Um, I, I was just stunned to learn that he was at one time at Virginia Tech, whose program has just completely fallen apart. Talk about this kid a little bit, and, and are you surprised, are the Volunteers fans surprised, that he has been this good this year and is right in the middle of all the Heisman Trophy talk? I'm not surprised he's good. I'm a little surprised he's this good. I mean, I think he's – since he became Tennessee starting quarterback, I think you're talking 50-plus touchdowns, three interceptions, which is you know, a video game at the easiest level. You don't do stuff like that. I mean, it's kind of comical. Um, but he started out his career at Virginia Tech, and they, they kind of had some issues there with Fuente trying to get the offense going. 
then during the COVID year, uh, he gets COVID um, and he's, he's, he's out for a while. Then they think they have a heart condition that they found there. So they gave him some medicine uh, to, to do some of the procedures they needed to do. And his body didn't react great to those. And uh, it, it was just kind of a bad scene there at Virginia Tech. He didn't think the staff there was necessarily uh, kind about the situation in some ways. His words, I wasn't there. Uh, and, and then so he uh, kind of quietly enters himself into the portal, comes to Tennessee. And when he gets to Tennessee, like two weeks later, Jeremy Pruitt's fired. And a new coach comes in, and that new coach brings in a different quarterback to be Tennessee starting quarterback, Joe Milton from Michigan. Uh, Joe Milton wins the starting competition uh, in preseason camp last year. The season starts. Joe Milton gets hurt in steps in and hooker, and he ain't given the thing back since. I mean, he has been – incredible and he is 24 years old he, i mean he's kind of a joke that he's kind of a byu age quarterback you know or he, he's kind of like in a in a couple months he'll be getting cheaper car insurance i guess but but it, it's <laughs> there's something to be said for the their maturity i mean think of how we all were at 18 and then 24 or 25 right you're well, still a child in my eyes yeah like you're still like in my case i'm still a child at that point but a le- less of one, you know, uh, I mean, certainly than I was at 18 years old. So, you know, some of the guys call him Uncle Hendo, and, and he just kind of has this aura about him. He's, he's really uh, professional, goes about his business. Uh, he, 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 like, he, he dabbles in, like, day trading stuff during the day. He and his brother wrote a, a, a children's scripture book in the offseason. I mean, the, the kid, I don't think he ever sleeps. I think he's just kind of a robot who does stuff. He's like a little walking, talking CEO. And if they gave out a Heisman Trophy today, he might get the thing. So long way to go, but it's been a hell of a story. Um, Josh Heupel, you know, um, decorated player. Um, South Dakota guy. And sometimes you see guys, you know, move from different parts of the country and, and they go here and they go there. And that certainly has been the story for his coaching career. But when I, when I just look at him now and I listen to him and he's got the cigars going when they win and the whole nine yards, I mean, he seems like Tennessee after trying one guy, after another guy, after another guy, they have found their guy. They found a guy who's comfortable in town for sure. And, and for people who haven't been to Knoxville, it's difficult to explain. It's like if you want to call it a, a city, you can call it that. If you want to call it a town, you can call it that. The metro area is like a million people now, but it's spread out a little bit. Uh, so basically, you can have city type stuff if you want. And you can have, you know, suburban type stuff, country type stuff if you want. And Heupel lives out over by the river and, and has a really nice place. And he and his family are happy here. I mean, you're right. He's a guy from from a small town in South Dakota. He, he does not need to be in Manhattan. He does not need to be in L.A. He, he's not one of those types. Uh, he's really happy here. Of course, Lane Kiffin was really happy at Tennessee, and then he left and wished that he hadn't, and he's admitted ever since that he wished he hadn't left. But Heupel is a guy who kind of fits the culture, right? And, you know, people have been joking. He's got he's gotten a little chunky in his older age, too, so he kind of fits <laughs> that whole Tennessee being good when it's got a chunky head coach thing, which maybe you go from Phil <laughs> Fulmer, you go to Heupel. I mean, I'm just thinking there's might be a there might be a through line there. I, I don't know, but but he does fit, and and – the, the way he plays the game is fun, too, because I said when he got here, I don't know how good they're going to be, but they're going to be fun to watch. If you've ever watched any of his teams, they are fun to watch. They put up a bunch of points. They give up a lot of points, but they score a lot of points. They go fast. It's the fastest offense in the country. 
And if you're not going to be good for a while, at least be fun. And they got fun, and now they're fun and good. So it's pretty. he's pretty popular around here these days. Well, I would imagine he is, and he should be. He's earned it. Uh, but when you play in the SEC, as you well know, um, you know, we're only halfway through this season. A uh, little bit of a breather here with Tennessee Martin coming up, but then back-to-back monster games. And I want to start with a Kentucky game because there are a lot of Kentucky fans in and around greater Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. Uh, who all of a sudden now are sort of jumping on the Stoops bandwagon in football um, after, you know, the basketball. They followed it forever and a day. Um, I maintain, you tell me if you agree, uh, Levis fumbled twice inside the 10 in a game that they clearly, in my opinion, were a better team at Ole Miss. There's no doubt in my mind that Ole Miss is the most overrated team in the country. Kentucky had a beat. They won the game. I give them credit, but Levis, he fumbles twice inside the 10 in the fourth quarter. They lose a game. He got injured, missed the next game. They lose to South Carolina. He comes back this past week, and they get a big win. So in two weeks or a week from this Saturday, Tennessee goes to Kentucky. We know all about the rivalry, the whole nine yards. Um, you concerned about the Kentucky game or not or not thinking Kentucky is as good as I think Kentucky is? I, my answer is kind of split in the middle there because when, when Kentucky comes down here in a couple of weeks, I, I think, and I've said this for a long time, I mean, my, the, my mother's side of the family is, is, is all UK people. So I know that, that program very well and have a lot of respect for what Stoops has done. I think it's a good football team. I just don't think it's a good matchup for Kentucky. Uh, and, and I'm not talking about historically Kentucky, Tennessee. Uh, I mean, if recent history had any matter in the deal, Tennessee wouldn't have beaten Alabama. So I'm not I'm not saying it because of that. I just don't know that Kentucky can score enough points to beat Tennessee. And, and that, that's I mean, what Tennessee did against Alabama, Tennessee, I believe. And I looked this up. There were two possessions where it scored zero points. And it missed wide open touchdown passes on both of those drives. And it still scored 52 points uh, in that game against Alabama. It's what Tennessee's doing on offense, frankly, and it hasn't had the one of the best wide receivers in college football the past three weeks. He didn't play against Alabama, didn't play against LSU, didn't play against Florida. He'll be back by the Kentucky game, and he'll add to that offense even more. And, and Tennessee's defense is, is solid up front, pretty bad on the back end. So Kentucky's going to put some points on the board. I just don't think if it gets into a track meet deal like that, I just don't think that's the kind of game that, that Kentucky's going to win, especially in Knoxville. So I think it's a good team. I'm not saying it's a it's a better or worse team than Tennessee because I think it's just a matchup deal. Yeah, I think Kentucky could win that game, but I think Tennessee will win that game. Couldn't you make that same argument for the Georgia game, which is coming up the following week? I mean, I know Georgia Absolutely. put up a bunch of points on uh, Vanderbilt, but, I mean, you, me, and nine other guys could probably do that. But, but you know, their defense has been phenomenal. They're the defending national champs. Yep. Uh, I think that game is in Athens, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, well, you know, looking ahead, and I know that's three weeks out, but that's going to be the game everybody's looking at right oh, yeah. now in the SEC. Well, you know, any early kind of feel on your part for that game? I, I still think Georgia w- would win that game. I mean, I, I thought Alabama would win on Saturday, candidly. I said Tennessee would cover, and I felt pretty strongly about that because um, I thought that spread was way too large uh, with the way those teams are playing. But I thought, ten- I thought Bama would win the game. 
Uh, going down to Athens, unless something crazy happens the next couple of weeks, I'll probably pick Georgia to win that game. And, and it's not that Stetson Bennett's been playing great. He was so good to start the season. Um, but I think the difference when I look at, at, at like a Kentucky and a Georgia, um, Kentucky's got a better quarterback right now, certainly. Uh, but Georgia's kind of, I think, better everywhere else offensively. And I know that, that Rodriguez, dude, that's a nice running back. That's a nice running back. He'll get some yards for you. Uh, he's nice and physical. I just think Georgia is a little bit better defensively, obviously, than Kentucky is. And, and I think also just Georgia has more guys on the perimeter, I think, who scare you a little bit than Kentucky does. Um, but I will say this. There's a young man in Kentucky who's a freshman, uh, Barry on Brown, from the state of Tennessee, who is an incredible athlete and is the kind of skill guy they haven't had in that program in a long time. I should have mentioned that when you mentioned UK earlier. That, that kid is very, very good, and he's going to have a nice career there. Um, but I, I think Georgia just has a little bit more athleticism, a little bit more speed. Uh, and when you look at what Tennessee struggles to do, if you run right at Tennessee, they're, I think, one of the top five or, or seven rush, rushing defenses in the country. They're terrible against the pass, um, but you can't run right at them. Even Bama barely got 100 yards rushing against them. So, And, and that Kentucky kind of needs that uh, to get going. Whereas Georgia, I think with Bowers and Washington and some of those wideouts, I think they can open it up a little bit more. So that's why the difference in my mind, would it shock me if Tennessee won at Georgia? No, at this point it wouldn't shock me, but it would surprise me. So it sounds like when all is said and done, outside of being shocked, that if you're looking into your crystal ball who's been covering SEC football forever and a day, we ultimately get back to Georgia versus Alabama in a championship game, assuming, of course, that Alabama can beat Ole Miss on the western side of the bracket. Probably. And I think what's really interesting to me, Tom, is we've kind of been joking about what we're all calling the doomsday scenario. And that's that at the end of the regular season, you know, you will have three or four one-loss teams in the SEC. Because what happens, let's say, if um, if Alabama, you know, beats um, Ole Miss, um, but so Ole Miss doesn't lose the rest of the season. Georgia beats Tennessee, doesn't lose the rest of the season. Georgia and Bama play for the title, and and then like Alabama beats Georgia. Right. You've got four one-loss SEC teams there who all will have except for Ole Miss, I suppose, would have beaten each other in some way. And you've only got four playoff spots for now. So that would be what we're – and, of course, since it's Murphy's Law, I think it's going to happen probably. Um, but – and that will be fascinating. But I think at the end of the day, I think Tennessee, you know, will probably go down in a pretty good game in Athens. Uh, and I think Georgia – or Bama will, will run the table. Saban usually gets that thing flipped at some point. I'm kind of surprised it hasn't happened yet. Um, but they'll they'll figure it out. They usually do. They're not hurting for weaponry down there. They're okay. They're all right. That Bryce Young fella, he's not bad at the football. Neither is Samir Gibbs or Will Anderson. Well, he's so not bad, but okay. I mean, not bad at all. But I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, you made the comment about um, uh, about the Heisman Trophy race. You know, we sit up here in Ohio, and we're biased. You're biased. I mean, you know, it is. You, you do your best. Stay objective. Um, I don't know how anybody in their right mind. Um, and I know you can get into schedule and you can get into all that kind of thing. And I think you can get into schedule with a bunch of different teams, quite honestly. Uh, because I don't think out of conference, Alabama, I know they play Texas. But, and Texas with Quinn Ewers is a different team than, than Texas without Quinn Ewers. That's been proven already. But I don't know how anybody has any debate in the conversation about a Heisman Trophy 
without C.J. Stroud being the overwhelming favorite? I think he's the favorite right now, and I would probably get lined up against the wall and shot right now in Knoxville for saying that, to be honest with you. Um, but I, and I, and, and in all candor, I am a Heisman voter and have been for, I don't know, 10, 12 years, something like that. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm getting older. But if I had to pick right now, I'd probably pick Stroud, and I would put Hooker second, and then I would have to move my family out of here. Um, but, you know, I, I think that there's a long way to go, and, and I'm actually selfishly a little bit nervous, not because um, I, I, you know, it, 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 I'm only nervous because I've always joked that since I got a Heisman vote, I never wanted there to be a year where a Tennessee player was a legitimate contender to win it because I'll never – vote on anything without telling everybody exactly who I voted for. It's kind of my policy. I think transparency is the way. And, and I would hate to be like, can you imagine being living in Knoxville and being like, oh, you know, I, I think Charles Woodson deserved that Heisman over Peyton Manning. You know, right, I, it's right. just, you know, it's, it's, it's dangerous a little bit, you know? I, I, I get it. I would I... probably go, I think Stroud right now would, would be the favorite and, and Maybe runaway favorites a tad strong, but not much. I, he, he's he's the guy right now, I think. Um, but Hooker's right there, and yep. it's if they go if they go down to Athens and beat Georgia, then it gets really really serious. But but right now, I still think to me the you know it, it's hard. And how can I even take away from Bryce Young? Look at what he did in that game. I don't know that I've ever seen a kid who's that age who has that much awareness in the pocket. Bryce Young is a freak. Um, but but I think and, and whoever drafts him will be loving it. Um, but I, I could say the same thing about Stroud. He's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, now, I got to ask you, I, I was joking around before you came on. Um, I am brand new to social media and I'm only on it because we're trying to promote this show, which just started sure. about a month ago. OK, so I'll jump on there. And, and, and every time I come on, you're on there battling with all the haters, and, and Lord knows Twitter is just loaded with hate, okay? We, we both know that. But you're battling with these guys uh, th th that are saying, oh, well, Tennessee, blah, 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 blah. You and I are in agreement. When Tennessee is good, and I think there are other programs like Tennessee, I think you could put Nebraska in there. I think you could put Miami of Florida in there. I think you could put, um, you know, a couple of others. At USC, they've been down – uh, for a long, long time. I think when those programs are good, it's better for college football. Tennessee, one of the great brands, without a doubt, in all of college football. But, but why are you arguing with these people? All you have to do is just say scoreboard. You just beat Alabama. I don't know why I do it. I've just always done it. I, I, I can't. It's like, you know, well, lately it's because I got, we got a 10-month-old who the past three weeks has decided, I'm not sleeping ever again for any reason. Just, <laughs> you, you, all, you can all deal with it. So I'm basically up anyway, waiting for the waiting for the, the, the miniature terrorist to get up. But it, it, it's like, what did somebody say? That's dumb. What are you talking about? Because uh, it was funny because I, I couldn't believe that when I had the audacity to say that, like, the ninth winningest all-time program in history, the seventh wealthiest program in the country – uh, one of the most recognizable brands around with that unique color and the checkerboards. When it's good, it's good for college football. Yep. I, I thought that would be a pretty innocuous statement, um, but I angered somehow. Um, it's not just the fans, I, like other media. I was like, guys, what do you, have you just been covering this for like eight years? Like, have you read a book? Do you, do you read numbers? Have you seen these crowds too? Like, 
Do you see merchandise sales numbers? Do you see TV ratings numbers? What planet are you on? Uh, I don't think college football needs any single program to be good. I just think some programs being good help. And, and I think Tennessee's one of those programs. But, you know, every boss I've ever had is asking the same question, Tom. I don't know why I do it. I I I just like to I like to poke and prod, I guess. I, I wish I had a better answer. My wife probably thinks I'm a toddler too. I, I just I've always been me. I'm not smart enough to be anything else. I could not in in my life pretend to be something I'm not because I'm not smart enough. So I just have fun. Wes, I, I, I love your style, man. I love your passion. I mean, you know, take them on. Take them on because you, you, everything you just said is spot on. When Tennessee is good, it is good for college football. That scene, that stadium, that crowd when there are big games, and, and Lord knows you know better than anybody else, there haven't been a lot of those in recent years. And to have them I mean, back for however long they last. It, it, do you think the, the last question I'll ask you – you know, because we've seen some teams that will pop up and have a, a good year here, good year there. You know, Florida, I maintain all the time. They've never been the same since Urban Meyer walked out the door. Whether you like Urban Meyer or not, it's a fact. They've not even been a, a, a factor in the national conversation for a championship since he left. Um, do you think that this is a, a, the beginning of a new era at Tennessee for winning football? I think it's going to be the beginning of an era of better football for sure. Now, is it going to be consistently elite football? I don't know. You're going to have to – Hendon Hooker's a special guy. And when he leaves, you've certainly got talent. I mean, next year, one of the best quarterback prospects anyone's seen in the past decade, a kid named Nico Iamaliava from, from California, is coming 3,000 miles across the country to play at Tennessee. And he his high school tape is unbelievable. And, and he is – Really, really good. So he'll be stepping into that offense, or Joe Milton will win that job, and then it'll transition to him at some point. Um, but they are recruiting consistently at a top-10 level. Uh, the, they're not going away. Um, but the thing about the SEC, and this is what makes it great and terrible, is that no, the other guys aren't stopping. You know, uh, Alabama, Georgia, the, you know, the, the, these guys, LSU, they, they don't stop. They, they keep going. They keep going. And there's places like Kentucky – places like Ole Miss, now even State with Leach. There's places that you used to think, Arkansas with Pittman, that you used to think, oh, well, that's going to be a win. It's not a win. It's not a yeah. guaranteed win. you got to go out there and play. And, and that's what I think makes it fun. It's kind of like the Premier League in soccer. I think that's what I kind of refer to the SEC as. It's like it, it's other than, sorry, Vanderbilt, um, you know, other than maybe that game, um, you, you, you kind of got to strap it up and go play. I mean, Georgia went to Missouri and almost lost it's the margins are so fine in this league and I'm not a huge NASCAR guy, but I know enough to know that if you're on those big, big tracks and you lose the draft, you're not catching it for a long time. Not until it comes around and laps you probably, or you get a caution. So they're going to have to keep going. But I think with what they have, I think this offense, it kind of reminds me of like when Spurrier came into the league in the nineties and just kind of people are like, Whoa, what do we do against this offense? Uh, so they'll adjust and it'll get more more difficult, but I don't think they're just going to go be embarrassing again for a while. Of course, now that I said that, it'll happen. Wes, we can't thank you enough for your time, young man. And uh, if you don't mind, we'd love to circle back with you again uh, here uh, maybe a couple weeks from now, three weeks from now, if everything goes according to plan uh, up until Ohio State plays Michigan. 
the last game of the year if everything goes according to plan. Uh, that, that will be the biggest game in college football played to that point in this season, Tennessee v. Georgia in Athens, Georgia. All the best, It'll my be friend, fun. and I hope your 10-month-old is able – a boy or a girl? A boy, a boy named Hank. So, is this, uh, uh, does Hank have well, – one of my kids had colic. Does Hank have colic? No, I had that when I was a kid, but I think right now it's just it's these doctors have words for everything. They're calling it one of these sleep regressions or whatever it's called. Um, I call it just kind of being a punk for a couple of weeks. But uh, <laughs> that's my I mean, my, my mom's in the, in the medical field. I'm not. So she would probably not like that diagnosis of mine. But no, I, I think that's, you know, it's it's just a little phase. I think I think we're going to get through it. Uh, but we better because. uh whew, Rough stuff, man. Rough no, stuff. Well, well, we wish Hank well and you and mom and everybody else getting some rest. So thank you for thank your you. time. Anytime, anytime. All right, great to have Wes Rucker. I mean, I, you know, look, I, I'm not a big SEC guy. I mean, I respect the heck out of them. Respect the heck out of them. But I think some of their middle-of-the-road teams, I was talking about this to my son last night. I mean, are you sure that Mississippi State would beat Maryland this year? I'm not. Maryland's 5-2. and two. They look like they're building a hell of a program down there. I mean, are you sure that Ole Miss would beat Illinois? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm not saying the other way either. I'm not saying that, that, that Ole Miss wouldn't blow Illinois out of the gym. I don't know. But I, I just think that, and they've earned it. I just look at outside of he just said it, right? outside of Alabama and Georgia, start flipping coins, although it will not be long. And I know they know this at Tennessee. It will not be long before Brian Kelly has got that thing rolling at LSU because that guy can coach. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. We are uh, all squared away now with our buddy Tom McCarthy (laughs) from uh, San Diego, I mean, you got to be so excited, right, Tom? I mean, you know, it's been a long time waiting for the Philadelphia Phillies to get back to the postseason after they had that really good run there with Chase Sutley and Ryan Howard. You were around for all that. But uh, is is, is the excitement level even higher now than you would have even thought? Yeah, I, I think it is, Tommy. I mean, it's, um, it's funny. I, I never took the postseason for granted, ever, because I know how hard it is to get there. Uh, but – being back here, you realize just how special it is. I mean, there's nothing better than postseason baseball. And the excitement in Philadelphia, I mean, that, that ballpark is loud when it's sold out. But, man, it was so loud the last couple of days. Um, it was pretty incredible. It was pretty incredible. You know, it's interesting, and you backtrack to the way this season began for the Phillies. And uh, it had been well-documented, talked about. Um I've known Joe Girardi for a long, long time. I was a broadcaster for the Cubs when he was a player there. You could tell if he wanted to do it, he was going to be a really good manager. He proved himself to be a very good manager, both with the Marlins and the New York Yankees. He gets a chance in Philly. What happened? Mm. Really good question, Tommy. I I don't know, uh, honestly. Um, I do think that our current skipper, Rob Thompson, is so even keeled that that's the biggest difference I think that we have now compared to when Joe was in charge. I mean, I love Joe. I respect him an awful lot. Um, I thought he did a lot of really good things to kind of stabilize 
the franchise on the field. Uh, but I do think that there's a little bit more of a relaxed intensity with Rob Thompson. It's kind of interesting because he's learned under Joe for so long. But he also learned under Joe Torrey, and I think that he has a lot of Joe Torrey in him. And I think that that has translated really well uh, to this group of guys. It really has. I mean, it's there's no tension. It's very relaxed. It's um, it's just a different feel. You know, when 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 Nick Castellanos leaves Cincinnati and they weren't going to sign him, uh, and and the Phillies do. Now, you talk about an intense dude, right? I mean, it, there mm-hmm. are intense guys, and then there are intense guys. And Castellanos is right at the top of that intensity list. Um, do, do you think his struggles during the season, and I know he hit a, a stretch there where he got hot, and then all of a sudden a playoff start, he doesn't get a hit in the opening round against the Cardinals, a two-game sweep there. You know, started well, clearly, in the series against Atlanta. But but do you think that 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 – that the, the intensity of Philadelphia mixed with the intensity of the human being worked mm. against him at all this year, or at least at the start of this I, year. I, yeah, I think it may have. I, I think what it was is he was trying so hard to fit in and to kind of live up to the contract. And, and you know, as it comes, as we came to realize, he didn't need to. He just needed to be himself because there's so many guys, whether it be Bryce or JT or – Reese Hoskins or Kyle Schwarber that could help sort of pass the baton in that lineup. So he didn't need to be the guy in this lineup. Um, I got to say, though, you know, he came in here to be the DH, but he played right field every day. He posted every single day. And I think he kind of worked his way out of the uh, funk he was in the first half of the season and became more comfortable in the clubhouse. And I think it was... I think it was a lot, honestly, for him. Um, and I, I don't see it being an issue moving forward. I think that he he's fit in really well with a lot of the young guys. And I think he's kind of found his niche now. But, yeah, I think there was probably a little bit of pressure that he put on himself early on to kind of fit in in a very intense city, no doubt. Tom, f- fill us in on what, what your impressions are of Bryce Harper. Um, everybody knows coming out of high school, he's the guy. He becomes this big star in Washington. Um, he ends up leaving uh, and coming to Philadelphia. Uh, initially struggled there. Uh, but, 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 and I don't know the guy. I've only talked to him a couple of times. But I was so impressed with his interview after the game the other night. Um, with with the way he talks about team and the way he talks about the people in the clubhouse and the way he talks about the organization and the way he talks about ownership, um, him and Hoskins for that matter. Uh, yeah. But, but w- 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 what kind of guy, for those of us who don't know him and people watching the show and listening to the show, w- what kind of guy is Bryce Harper? Well, I, I think he's a great guy, Tommy, more than anything else. I mean, everybody always asks me about the contract and the fact that you know, he's being paid so much. I think he's been worth every penny uh, of that contract because, A, he loves the city and he embraced the city from the get-go. And I think that that is huge in the city of Philadelphia. I think this is a perfect fit for him. Uh, family man, you know, he just turned 30. In fact, he was joking yesterday. He said, I woke up and I don't know if it's because I was 30 or because we flew cross-country, but my body felt like <laughs> I was 30 years old. And I just said, wait till you're 50. Um but he's a really good guy. He's an intense competitor. You know, he's, you know, he's played this whole year injured, whether it be the, the thumb 
or the UCL. He's going to have to have Tommy John surgery at some point, but he's played the whole year with the injury. Um, I, I've I've enjoyed every minute with him. I really have. I mean, he's been really good to us as broadcasters. He'll do anything you ask him to do. Um, he even came in and you know did a, a game with us. You know, back in August. You know, I know in Cincinnati, Joey Votto did a game too a few weeks later. Uh, it was really cool. It was a great treat for the fans. It was great for me and John Cruck to sit there and just talk baseball with him for six innings. So uh, it was pretty neat. He's a good dude, though. He really is. I, I, I just I can't say enough about um, uh, about just, again, reflecting back just a couple of days ago when, when the Phillies beat uh, Atlanta and those interviews. Uh, you know, Hoskins. Yeah. I, I love when guys acknowledge the people around them that never get the pub. And the first no thing doubt. out of Hoskins' no ma- mouth was, you know, whether it's our training staff, whether it's the ownership, our general manager, whether it's the, the, the people that clean up the, cl- the clubhouse guys that are washing our jock straps and uniforms every night. Mm-hmm. I love when those guys do that. And he made that a point, and you could hear it in his voice and see it in his face. He meant it. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. I mean, well, he's, he's as good as it gets. I mean, Reese is. Uh, he gets every bit of it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's the kind of – I mean, if you're going to win, you need that sort of uh, family feel. And that's the kind of feel they have down there. I mean, you know, and our ownership group is unbelievable. Uh, they have always been that way, and they've continued to be that way. Uh, they're all out here right now getting a chance to enjoy this and reap the benefits of being in the National League Championship Series. But that's how this group is. I mean, you can see it. I mean, Tommy, you know – how important clubhouse guys are. Well, our group has been together. You know, I've been in the big leagues for 22 years and they've all been here for about that time. So the fact that they get noticed the way they do, um, you know, our nutritionist, our, our, um, you know, our training staff, everybody like that. It's, it's tremendous because it makes them feel good because as you know, we're on the road so often that it's great to get that, that sort of feedback and that love from somebody from the clubhouse. The two teams played, the two being the Padres and the Phillies, seven times during the year. I was looking at some of the numbers. The, the Phillies won four of the seven. Um, yep. Very low-scoring games. I, I think that one team's ERA was three-point-something. The other was <laughs> two-point-something. Uh, San Diego's a great pitcher's park. Philadelphia's a good hitter's park. What are you expecting in this series? Well, I, I do know that our one and two can match up with anybody's one and two. It doesn't matter who it is, and that's Wheeler and Nola. Um, but I do think that they probably have a little bit more depth in the starting staff. Just, I mean, the numbers sort of pan that out. I am expecting a very even series because I think these two teams are very similar offensively. If you look at the runs scored, the home runs, all that stuff, um, it's going to come down to pitching. I mean, it is. It's going to come down to the Phillies bullpen, which has been really good since the uh, all-star break and it's going to come down to you know the three and four starters i think in this series because wheeler and nola you know what they're going to do darvish and musgrove you know what they're going to do i think it's going to come down to those three and four guys um in the middle of this series to decide who's going to win it or not i i think that the atmosphere in both places is going to be through the roof i've, I've yeah. long said that san diego and you well know uh, and you're nearly 25 years of uh, broadcasting big league baseball even when they had crummy teams and they had that that uh, b- baseball night in san diego on saturday night back in the old jack murphy days and you got 55,000 people I, I would imagine that crowd 
is going to be on it big time tonight. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I've only watched the games against the Dodgers, and it looked like an incredible atmosphere. Uh, ours has been the same. In our atmosphere, yep. I mean, you were there, Tommy, a few years ago when we played the Reds uh, in that postseason when Halliday threw the no-hitter. It was like on steroids from even that 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 series. Um, it's pretty cool. So I'm excited about tonight, and I'm excited to see what the crowd is like here in San Diego because uh, it looked like it was pretty intense in that Dodgers series. And, you know, we've been out here – uh, I mean, we, we only come out here once, you know, once a year. But when we do, I mean, the place is rocking. Um, it, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's one of my favorite ballparks, Petco Park. It really has grown on me over the years. Um, and what not, what's not to like here in San Diego? Weather's great, the whole thing. So it's going to be a great series. The whole thing's – we're all looking forward to it. Where are you right now? I know San Diego really, really well all the years working the in the Hyatt. National League West. What, what, I mean, where are you? You have, a, like, some palatial suite? No, I'm at the Hyatt. I'm outside by the pool. I came out here because it was quiet, and I didn't want to wake anybody up because my voice does not travel light. I so understand. So I figured I'd come outside. And as we started the interview, all of a sudden the music started playing out here by the pool. <laughs> well, I mean, you're in California, so, man. I mean, they got that doom, 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 doom. you got that stuff going on all day long. How about a cat like you? I mean, you fit sudden, right in. Yeah, all of a sudden it just started playing. I'm like, where is it coming from? But, you know, I don't know if you've ever stayed at the Grand Hyatt, but it's a beautiful place. Usually yes. we stay at the Omni right next to the ballpark, but um, they had a convention that was in town. So we, we, we're here, and it's, it's been great. I mean, it really has. We've had a good time. Yeah, I like that Omni a little better because you it connects literally to the ballpark. That's you walk right. Walk right across That's a little right. you know little bridge and yeah. you're you're in the ballpark. Uh, but now 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 look, you and I used to talk all the time. You know, kids playing sports, your your boys a whole nine yards. You had told me a couple of years ago, and I haven't seen you in a couple of years. You you have a son that's broadcasting, is that right? Yeah, he's our AAA broadcaster, and he's uh, he's actually filled in for me on TV with the Phillies last year, and then he's filled in a lot on radio this year. And then uh, this past season, when we clinched in Houston, um, NBC Sports Philadelphia brought him along to do our po uh, our post-game interviews. So I was able to throw it to him as I went down to the clubhouse for the celebration. And as you know, uh, with your pop, I mean, it's it was pretty cool. I mean, I walked away, I put the headset down, I started walking away, I'm like, I said, all right, let's go to Pat McCarthy with Reese Hoskins. And I put the headset down and I walked away. I went, Man, that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's neat to watch him kind of evolve as a broadcaster. Well, congratulations. I mean, I, you know, you, you and your wife have done such a great job raising your kids. I could just tell by our conversations through the years. And, and I mean, that's, that's, that's really, really cool. It's a hell of a lot yeah. cooler than going to a World Series, but there's nothing wrong with going to a World Series either. When this whole no, thing, this uh, is the last actually, thing I wanted to ask you, you know, was did you really feel, because my dad's on this show once a week, and when we started sort of picking teams to advance, you know, he thought the Cardinals were going to win that first round. I said, oh, well, you know, because of Wheeler and Nola, I'm, I'm like, I'm not so sure about that. Um, when, when the playoffs began, did you really expect that we would be having this conversation and the Phillies would be playing tonight? No. Uh, I did think we would beat the Cardinals. I was really comfortable with that series because it's a best of three, even though it was in St. Louis. And, I thought we handled them pretty well in the offseason, in the regular season. And what you said, too, the fact that Wheeler and Nola lined up was really big for us. Um, but I have to admit, I thought the Braves were going to be here in the National League Championship Series. Uh, but you know what? This team's gotten hot, and you know how hot teams can get and how they can be. Uh, and they're really riding 
the older personalities, but also the younger ones. So, no, I did not think that. I figured it was going to be the Braves and the Dodgers or the Braves and the Mets or, you know, you know, it, it was going to be closer to chalk than it actually was. But, you know, Major League Baseball's postseasons turned into the NCAA tournament, and I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, you know, the last thing I forgot, last thing I do want to ask you is for, for Reds fans here, and you guys went through this in Philadelphia, um, you know, you're told about rebuild and rebuild mm-hmm. and rebuild. I think your team payroll somewhere, Ray, correct me if I'm wrong, around $175 million, something like that. So you're spending, you're, you're spending a decent chunk of change. That's a decent amount of money. But the model to get here outside uh, of bringing in a Castellanos and signing Bryce Harper, and I don't want to you know, just poo-poo that because those are two huge contracts. Mm-hmm. But the core of the team, a lot of guys – that you brought along inside the system. How would you describe the way the Phillies got to this point from where they were just a few years ago to where they are now? Well, I think that they've revamped the farm system, which has helped. And I think we're seeing some of the benefits of that. I have to say that, you know, the guys that have contributed, some of them we anticipated, like Bryson Stott, uh, but others we didn't, like Matt Vierling, who's been really good uh, playing center field. But it's I think that they've they've kind of revamped under Dave Dombrowski the farm system and, you know, our owners, the Buck family and John Middleton, you know, they've gone out and spent money. And I think you have to have a mix of both in order to be successful. And for the Phillies, they have Nola, they have Veerling, they have Stott, Hoskins, you know, these guys that are, are Alec Bohm are from the system. And then you bring in other guys like, you know, Bryce and JT and, uh, through trades and free agency, and that helps. I mean, but you have to have a mix of it. Um, yeah. So this has been a long time coming. I, I'll be honest with you. I thought it would have happened three or four years ago, but in this game, in this day and age in baseball, um, I've learned a lot of patience, particularly this season. Absolutely. Thomas, enjoy the ride, my friend, because you never know when they're going to come along, as you pointed out at the very top. Very happy for yep. you, happy for your son, and uh, good luck starting tonight. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks for the time, Tom. Really very much appreciate you getting up early in the morning and joining us out there in San Diego. All right. See you, Tommy. Be good. Tom McCarthy. What a great dude. I mean, just a great dude. Always has been. Uh, always always looked forward to the Reds playing the Pod, uh, the uh, Phillies just to see him. And there are other guys out there. Uh, same deal. Uh, the Padres, they have uh, Mark Grant over there and, and Don Orsillo and, and that whole group. But but that Phillies group always had the Phillies and the Giants. When you'd play different teams, there was always one set of broadcasters. And when I say set, I mean the radio guys and the TV guys that you couldn't wait to see. And the Phillies and the Giants were the two teams more than any other. Philly through the years, you had John Cruck, he just, I mean, you know, West Virginia guy, awesome dude. Larry Anderson, Scott Franz, all those guys. Back in the old days, Harry Callis, um, fun group. And then the Giants, I mean, you got Kruko and Kuiper and upset. Um, okay, we're going to um, shoot the breeze here for a few minutes before we get to Tracy Jones. Um Trace, you are a baseball guy, or allegedly are a baseball guy, even though you pointed out last night. Uh, Phillies v. Padres. Who you like in that series? 
Well, I obviously I can't go back and back this up, but I said before the, uh, <clears throat> I believe before the playoffs even started, I asked Paul, who's obviously the gambling guy here, I asked him what the Phillies line was to win the World Series. And um, so I'm going to go with the Phillies because I feel like there's, a, there's, this, there's this weird dynamic that can happen sometimes where you have front-end starters and back that up with some fiery players and you get hot at the right time. Maybe I'm a little biased because Castellanos, I liked him when he was in Cincinnati. Obviously, he's not here anymore, but I like to see him. Guy like Schwarber just up the road here. Middletown yeah. guy. Yeah, I, I think you've well, you've pointed that out many, many times. <laughs> <laughs> that said. You don't think I'm aware of that? No, I, I, I asked. I think it one of the first. to a point where I just did it just to do one, it. One of the I first questions of I think happen. I, one of the first questions I think I asked you when, uh, when we were obviously starting to get to know each other was. You had to have that as a bit with Chris. Of course, of yeah. course. You I mean, gotta I think have it. most people thought maybe you were being serious every time. I don't know, but that those blew. are all the people that are. Brave. Well, those are the people that I mean, don't serious. think. Those are the people that don't think Tracy Jones are funny. You know, they just can't. They yeah, can't quite yeah. dissect humor. Yeah, I mean, but on. but having said all that, I like the Phillies. Um, it's it's the thing about baseball is obviously it's a little bit of a crapshoot. I mean, it really is. And at the end of the day, who knows what's going to happen? That's right. But I'd like to see the Phillies make a run, and I'm glad to see the Blue Bloods starting to fall off. And we have another Blue Blood tonight to see if they can hang on against the uh, Guardians, but I don't know. But I, I, I will say this. I've made a concerted effort. I've, I've, I've lost interest in baseball for quite some time. I made a concerted effort last night. I kind of had a hair up my ass and said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lock in for this game five and watch every pitch. And uh, then it rained out. Well, you know what, now you can double your fun, though, Trace. You can you can say to your bride, "Hey, look." I don't know, know if I can do that. Well, I mean, you can double dip today. I don't know if I can do. You got two a four p games. game. You got a seven p game tonight. Speaking of which, can we talk? Can we talk just a moment about Major League Baseball and how terrible they are at marketing? Sure. I mean, I, you have one of the most popular franchises in in all of sport with the Yankees, and you get a blessing in disguise last night. You get to cancel the game, which was a competing against Monday Night Football, which, like it or not, you could say the two teams suck, all blah, 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 blah. But it wasn't it's set still, up that way to be because uh, of the rain out. Okay, but I'm just saying, you got a blessing in disguise and you got a rain out, and you put the game at 4 o'clock They have on to the do East it. Coast. What they do you mean they have to do, to do it? They have to Tell do it. Tell me why. Because of the way the whole thing's lined up and you build in for one rain out. And when you're Why is it starting at 4 o'clock? When you're with these networks and you take, you, you, you take Turner as an example, okay? They're starting the NBA. They're locked in on that. This is double header night. And I don't know which, which, which um, is the National League on Fox or the American League on Fox. Do you know starting tonight? I'm willing to bet that the – I don't know that for sure. So I just let me, do, let me just double check here yeah. real quick. I'm curious. Um, well, what's it? What's it even matter? I mean, why can't you? Why can't you move the game to like a six o'clock start and have the other game start? Well, you have to have the games. Do you? Do, does Major League Baseball really think that people have to see the entire game and then switch over and see the entire game of the other one? I mean, the NFL plays. The NFL plays eight or nine games at one o'clock on a Sunday. But, but let me tell you something, Trace. Seriously, Major League Baseball gets very embarrassed. I'm not kidding when I say this because I've been around a lot of these meetings. They get really embarrassed when, let's say last night, or let's say, you know, they went head-to-head -head against a regular season NFL game or one team's under 500. Or actually, in last night's case, one was under, the other was right, right at 500, right? They get really embarrassed when the ratings come out and the football game does 
four and a half times the number of a, of a postseason winner-take-all baseball game that involves the New York Yankees. So what are, they, what are you saying? What are they doing? I'm just saying they, 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 they don't want to go toe-to-toe, and I understand why. They don't want to go toe-to-toe with the big boys. They were going to last night because of a rainout. They were forced to. And I think there are a lot of people on Park Avenue that won't admit it that are glad that game got rained out, and they're glad that game is being played at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Why, 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 why? I just don't understand why we're playing an East Coast game at 4 o'clock with the Yankees. Because I think that other series starts tomorrow. Well, I think because of all the rainouts that they don't want to play a night game. I'm just going to double-check this about what time um, that American League Championship Series is supposed to start. Well, so you're, so you're basically telling me that they, are, they want to make sure they can Game get Game one plane. of the American League Championship Series is tomorrow. They so they're not, gonna ask, they're not going to ask a team already at a disadvantage uh, playing the day before. They're not going to ask a team, although they do it in the regular season all the time, but they're not going to ask a team to play at 7.30 at Yankee Stadium, which you know is a four-hour game, and then get on a plane after press conferences and fly all the way down to Houston, Texas, and they wouldn't get there till 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. I mean, I don't give a damn. At the end of the day, what, what, why do we put so much onus on whatever the, the end player thinks? Well, I mean, do you think the NFL gives a damn? They play guys on Thursday, and they turn around and play again on Sunday, and they don't give a rat's ass what no, they, they do. So at the end of the day, you got to do what's best for it's your product. It's all product. about the cash. That's all about the cash. Well, I tell you what, it's a great idea to play at four o'clock on the East Coast, and no one's going to give a rat's ass because most people aren't even paying attention till TV around seven o'clock. I don't think people are paying attention anyway. Well, I, it's never going to change if that's the attitude. I really don't. Um, the player formerly known as Mouse Cop, whoever that is, yeah. says they're going to get as many viewers today as they would have gotten yesterday against the NFL. Um, we got a very interesting comment here. Um, a lady named Sally. Mustang Sally, perhaps, is her nickname. Said, hey, guys, I just found your show. Is this the show that has Tracy Jones on it? If that's not Tracy Jones, then I don't know what is. If so, when does he come on? <laughs> well, Sally, Mustang Sally, she, he comes on twice a week. Tuesdays and Thursdays at 11.30. And, and somebody else just said, yes, the return of Schwarbs from Middletown. Oh, yeah. You're One right. quick thing. I want to say this. We're getting ready to put a purchase order in here at, at, at Chatterbox Sports. Yeah. I know you guys have been on You're me about getting, get, getting some new shirts, getting some gear. We have some loyal people that are in this chat every single day. Yeah. And I know which ones they are. I mean, even AJ got on my ass a little bit the other day. That's fine. I mean, I've been busy doing some other things, but, you know, we, we figured out the commercial situation. Even, even a guy like Mars, put, your si put, put whatever size in the chat, and I'll or do this. Send an email to contact at Chatterbox Sports with your size and where I need to ship it to, and, and we'll get these guys some merch. How about that? Well, are we going to start wearing that stuff, uh, any merch? I mean, headlines is literally out that door. They make the uniforms for every high school and college team here in the area. Um, we got a lot going on, Tom. Are, are we going to start getting, like, you know, some chatterbox hoodies and stuff like that that I can start wearing instead of this tired sweater well, That's what I'm saying. I'm getting ready to put an order in for, for our team. Now, as far as selling it to the public, I don't know about that. I, I we think gotta, we, we ought to start thinking we about We got it. enough going on here. Hey, hey, look, you could have sold a ton of merch at the Bash. Probably. Yeah. Probably. We could have sold anything at the Bash. That was, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we, we was like shooting fish in a barrel. 
How much beer did we sell at the back? Oh, plenty. Enough. Enough to go back. Enough to do it again. Say that. I mean, is it in the tens of thousands of cans of beer? Yes, somewhere in there. It was a lot. Wow. You know, before we go to break and get to Tracy Jones, I once talked to a guy who works for Anheuser-Busch. Now, 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 think about this for a sec. For years, the Cubs, their beer was old-style beer. But then they went to Budweiser. And Budweiser started selling beer in the ballpark. Think about this for a second, okay? They play 81 home games a year at Wrigley Field. Okay? The gates open an hour and a half before the game, and they stop selling beer in the seventh inning of the game. So you're really looking at about a four-hour window, four-and-a-half max, where you're able to sell beer inside of Wrigley Field 81 days out of 365 a year. There was not a single bar in the United States of America that sold more Budweiser over the course of an entire year than those 81 dates at Wrigley Field. That's, that's, that's that, unbelievable. That's the bleachers right there. I mean, that's unbelievable. That's everywhere. Okay. Um, we understand he has made it safely back from Mexico where he stayed in, in a six-star resort. We're going to find out how the rest of the trip went. Tracy Jones is around the corner. Oh, my gosh. My son asked me about FSB last night. He did. He, he saw the promo. He's in school when Tracy comes on. And he says to me, he says, Dad, what, what is this FSB? And my wife is sitting in the room. So I, so I now turn this over to Tracy Jones, who, by the way, before we get to the question, I want to ask you, um, how did the rest of your stay in Mexico go? Because it didn't sound like it started very well. You know, it was up and down, and, and I'll maybe talk about it on Thursday. I, I kind of wanted just to keep it hardcore baseball today because uh, I, I do, Tom. I got a question for you. And I'll, no, FSB, no, before you go FSB, any further, I, I'm, not, I'm not going hardcore baseball today. We can talk a little bit of baseball, but, but no, no. I, people want to hear about your trip. Okay, here we go. You ready? A fatal sperm backup is what FSB, in case your son didn't know what that is and Polly did you tell Polly what that was how well, about your I, I mean I, your I said I said what it was out loud he's 17 years old so I'm not going to sit there and start burying stuff you know under the rug and any of that kind of thing um I, I I still am quite sure he's naive enough to not understand what that really means as it pertains to being a married man if you were me how how would you have handled that what would you have said to him with Polly in the room are we talking about like a birth control thing? Would you tell him to wrap it up or pull and pray? What would you tell him, Tom? No, I, I'm saying the concept of fatal oh. sperm backup. I think most oh. men would understand that, that have been married a long time. They get it. Uh, but I'm saying to you last night when I'm just sitting there and we're flipping through the channels uh, and he wants to watch a football game, and we're sitting there, and all of a sudden he says to me, Dad, you know, I was off school today, and I watched your show. We're talking about the show, and then he saw some promo. He says, 
What was uh, Mr. Jones talking about with FSB? What is FSB? How would you have handled that when you were raising your son, sitting there with uh, your ex in the same room? Well, I would <laughs> my ex. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> uh, we pro Hunter and I had this conversation actually when he was eight about FSB. I says, whatever you do, never get, never marry a woman that you have to suffer through this FSB because it, it's it's hurt. It hurts a lot, Tom, as you would know. Don't you think? Or is, is eight years old too early to talk about this stuff? <laughs> hey, you know, if you're getting a jump on it and you're laying it out there on the line, you know, I, it's probably not too early. Did, did, yeah. uh, did, did he remember anything about it as the years went by, the subsequent years moved on, as, as he reflected back on that with you as some of your uh, parental guidance oh, as no, an eight-year-old? No, no. He, Hunter's a great listener. He's been married for two years, and he has two kids. So obviously he is not experiencing FSB. So he does listen to his old man. And, and he, was a good, he was a good baseball player too, Hunter was. He was. He made it to AAA big league camp. He just couldn't get over the hump. And, and Tom, you know, you watch players nowadays. They're so good. They're so much better than when I played. It, players are faster, stronger in every sport and especially baseball. We talk about that damn bullpen. The guys coming out throwing 95, 96. We didn't have players like that. I know we've no. mentioned it a couple times on the show, but it's so true. I just think it's really tough with players coming from Venezuela and Japan and all over the world to actually make it in the game of baseball. All right, so we'll stay serious here for a few minutes. We'll circle back to the rest of your trip uh, near the end here. Um, the Indians slash Guardians tonight right. in the Bronx. You've played at Yankee Stadium many, many times. Place is going to be jumping. I, th I think the vibe's going to be a little bit different at 4 o'clock in the afternoon than it would be at 7 o'clock at night. Uh, but it's a winner-take-all game. W what do you think happens? Yankees will win this. This is a no-brainer. Um, and why they win? Let, let me ask you this, Tom. Why do you have me on the show? First of all, and this is why I was going to come out. Why do you have me on the show? You can get any baseball expert you want, and yet you chose Tracy Jones. Why did you? Well, because I think you're able to give incredible insight about different places to play because you played for five teams. Is that right? Five major league teams. Okay, so you start there. Uh, you were a guy that, that, I mean, it looked like you were going to be a superstar. And, and then injuries got you. I was telling my son this last night. He's like, you know, what, what was the deal with Tracy Jones as a ball player? I was explaining it to him in a very serious way. I'm like, this guy I thought was going to be a great player for a long time. You could do everything. You can relate to the guys that can hit. You relate to the guys who can run. You relate to what it's like to face 90 and 95-mile-per-hour fastballs. And right. you're able to have a little fun. So that's a good combination. Okay. But the main thing, I think, why you have me on here, and we've talked about this, is I see things that you people don't see. You right? do. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, I didn't say that one because I think that's been proven over and over, and that, that's, that, yeah, that's an obvious. Okay. But see, you know, here's the thing. We had a little discussion going back last week. And I said that the Padres will beat the Dodgers. Remember when I said that, Tom? And you kind yes, of made I did. fun of me? Yep. Yeah. Well, why do you think I chose 
to go with the Padres over the Dodgers. Now, remember, the Padres were 22 games behind the Dodgers. The Dodgers beat the hell out of them head-to-head. Yep. Why do you think I went with the Padres? Because I think you see things that the rest of us, as normal mortals, just simply don't see. Bingo. And here's what happened. And I pulled this up a couple of days ago, about four days ago. Now, listen, why do you smile? I, because you amazed me with this stuff, and, and you did pick San Diego. So, please, go ahead. What did you but, see? Okay, so talk is cheap. Talk's BS. I actually yep. put money on the Padres to win the series. I'll tell you why. And this came out of, uh, I think, the Orange County uh, Register. Padres attempting to limit Dodger fans at Petco Park with geofencing technology known as location-based buying. Are you familiar with this technology? No, I am not. I, I'm interested they, to hear about it. It's very interesting. This is groundbreaking stuff, people. All kidding aside, everything's always a joke with Tom Brenneman, right? Well, now I'm being serious. This is whole, buying a ticket is linked to a zip code, the credit card, to a zip code. Okay, here's the problem that the Dodgers and the Padres had. Not the problem for the Dodgers, but for the Padres. When you went to a Padre game, it was about 60-40. 60% Padre fans, 40% Dodger fans. Padres didn't want that, right? They wanted all Padre fans. So they did this geofencing technology, and anyone out of the zip code, true story, this is, you can look this up, out of the zip code were not allowed to buy tickets. They could buy tickets, but it would be refunded. I think this is groundbreaking. This is huge. Do you know how big playing games at home? Do you know the Milwaukee Brewers were under 500 away and the St. Louis Cardinals under 500? I mean, they had terrible records away, but at home, they were dangerous. This is your 10th man. This is your X factor. This is big games. It's a no-brainer. The Yankees are going to kill them. Because of Geo, and I don't know if the Yankees are doing it, but I'm sure every major league team is going to be doing it. Football teams are doing it. The Rams did it with the San Francisco 49ers, and I think this is groundbreaking. I think it's a big, big deal. And you know what? Nobody's talking about it except off the bench with Tom Brenneman and Tracy Jones. I think it's big news. I, you know what? I think that I think that is fascinating. I, I really, yeah. truly do. I, and I'm not joking about that in any form or fashion. And look, anybody, and I've said for years that uh, – that anybody that's been to San Diego uh, when the Padres are good, and, and look, those have been few and far between, uh, it, it's one of the most electric atmospheres that there is in professional sports going yes. back to Jack Murphy. And, and Petco is no different. That place tonight is going to be insane for the, yes. for the LCS. Well, just getting back to the Padres, Blake Snell, who pitched in Game 3, said he's never felt energy coming from a ballpark, from the fan in the crowd. To have 45,000 and no Dodger fans in the stand, I mean, a couple going to filter in, but they were all Padre fans just into it. And I, I tell you, this, this geofencing technology, I think, is, is – you can take it a step further. Okay, let's say this, Tom. Let's say if you're the Reds, Okay. And that's where I was going with this because they're not going to put any geofencing up right now. They'll sell any tickets to anybody they can. Especially the Gets Cubs, right? They need the 
the Chicago Cubs money. I understand. But let's say let's say the Reds improve in the next couple years and you're you're going to have a high-end night at the ballpark, right? So it's a national TV game. Maybe you're playing the Dodgers. You're going to be on TV. Do you really want people from Norwood going to the game? Do you want those Norwinians, you know, missing teeth and all that in the stands and the and you know the, the national audience get a chance to see it? But you could do it with this with this geofencing technology and get them kind of weeded out. People from, you know, East Price Hill, Norwood. Where's your dad from? Anderson Township. Get those people. Have people. Don't wait. No, come on, Tom. People who have money are going to spend money at the game. Those so what are you are saying? Well, were they paying the crowd? I mean, you want them to look like what? You want them to be dressed appropriately. You remember back in the 20s when people used to wear a fedora? Yeah. And they used to have suits. Wasn't yeah. that? That was great times. It but was. you want high-end people going to the game and representing the Cincinnati Reds. People from a Bellevue, uh, Indian Hill. Tom, you're from Terrace Park, right? Yeah. Yeah, Terrace Park. Uh, Bellevue. Did I mention Bellevue? You want a high-end crowd. You don't want that ham and egger crowd and nationals. You know, say, that Cincinnati, a bunch of Norwoodians? That would be horrible for the city. Well, uh, you know, l l let me turn this to Casey um, and to Trace Fowler is actually helping produce it, the program. The boss, oh. the CEO. Now, he's a Hamilton guy. Where would Hamilton, would that be outside of the, what did you call it again, the fencing? Geofencing. Geofencing. Would, 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 would Hamilton, they, they would be on that allowed in list, right? Yes, they would. I, I think Hamilton, if you go to certain areas, very high end. Where your studio is, I think is uh, top notch. It's, okay. it's class A uh, office space. It is. Uh, Casey, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, you know, last week, uh, Tracy shared with you the possibility of, of being one of the hosts of your bachelor party. And we went through that whole nine yards. And a lot of people are asking us is our numbers. The second you come on, Tracy, our numbers go through the roof. Um, I mean, I do have one question for him because he mentioned East Price Hill. What about the West Price Hill? Are those considered? They're out. Oh, <laughs> Oof. I think East Hamilton is out as well, right? Well, I think okay. Joe Nuxall kind of gets us a little bit of a pass down yep. there at Great American. I would no, hope. I don't think so. Okay. Well, no? No, I don't, I don't hmm. think so. Okay, so you're suggesting... Hey, Casey, can I give Casey some marriage advice? I was going to hold off till Thursday. Do we have time? Well, we have time. Of course we have time. time. We have, we have another time. solid okay, 20 Casey, minutes here. Go ahead. Here's, here's what I didn't like about our conversation last week, and this really bothered me. It bothered me in Cancun. Your wife is thinking about having a bachelor. He's not married yet. He's not married well, he's gonna, yet. Well, he's going to have a, or she's going to have a bachelorette party with a bunch of strippers, right? That's what she was threatening Casey with. I think that is reckless and hurtful on her part. And Casey, what you need to do, and I'm just telling you this, this is what I did with Danae. You got to keep him in line, okay? My wife, my girlfriend at the time today was getting ready to leave me. Uh, she had found another ball player somewhere. I don't know, a football player, probably a basketball player, baseball player. I knew she was going to leave me. And Casey, you know what I did? What did you do? She would make trips from El Segundo or Los Angeles to Cincinnati. And what I would do is I would send her, when I knew she was going to be here, I would send a dozen long stem roses to my condo.
So she would see someone would bring the roses and Danae goes, who are those roses for? And I, not for Danae, they were for me. They were addressed to me. Someone was sending me roses, if you could believe that. You should have seen her. Boy, did she get jealous. Women get jealous and they're very competitive. Women are very smart too. That still didn't work with Danae. You know what I did, Case? What did Ready you do? for this? I went to the mall and I got some lingerie. And when she came back to town, I got it. I put it in the back seat of the car. And she's like looking around. And she, that's after the second day, she found it. She goes, what the hell is this? What, what, who was back here? I said, I have no idea. And the rest is history. She wanted to marry me just like that. And Casey, you need to, you need to do this with your fiance. I really think that would help. Make her jealous. I think that's good for a, and I'll tell you what I did too, Case. I didn't want to say anything, and this will really make her jealous. The lingerie, the panties, the bra size was a double D. <laughs> that, I think, put it over the top. Uh, I, I, it kept you know, her in line. I, I don't think the same strategy will work, uh, especially because she watches the, the show. So any advice you give me, She's just going to hear it and, you know, now now she knows the gig. I, I can't go do that now. That was a good point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I'll it's... come up with some more things to make her just Keep her in line, Casey. I'm telling you. It seems like the, it seems like the, it's the same strategy being implemented in the chat with Sally. What do you think, Tracy? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. You so, guys. Listen, listen. Um, I want to get your predictions, though, before we wrap up and, and, and talk about Mexico. You're saying the Yankees win tonight, so the Yankees move on to face Dusty Baker and the Astros beginning tomorrow night. So you're saying Yankees v. Astros. We know it's Philly v. San Diego. Um, who wins those series? I think it's San Diego against Houston. I think that's a good series. And I got to go with Dusty Baker. I really like Dusty. He was my hitting coach in San Francisco. He was actually the only, he's probably the only person that actually liked me. My teammates didn't like me. And I know the coaching staff did not. Roger Craig hated me, by the way. Why? But Well, because I was not very good. I had a buck 86. But Dusty was always wanting to help me. He threw me extra BP. And before I was traded, listen to this. He says, Trace, we're out in the outfield. He says, Trace, I know you're not happy here. He said, the Tigers are wanting to trade for you and they've got their scouts here. And he says, I would have a good game. Now, I happened to just have a really good game. I drove in seven runs in one game that actually tied Willie Mays. But it's not a big deal, Tom. I mean, you drive in seven runs. The next day I was traded, if you could believe that. But is Dusty, that true? I, you I, drove in seven runs in a game and the next day you were traded? Seven runs. Look it up. Look it up. Is that incredible? That is here, incredible. Here, okay, here's here's the story. I was hitting fifth behind Kevin Mitchell. Jack McKean was the manager of the Padres. He walked Kevin Mitchell four times to get to me with bases loaded. I didn't hit a single ball hard. I think I broke two bats didn't have an extra base hit, and drove in seven runs. 
Wow. That's yeah. a great story. And didn't hit a single ball hard. That is a great story. Yeah. See, but, you get something asked, new every day. Yeah, and they asked Jack McKinn, would you still make that move of walking Kevin Mitchell to pitch to Tracy Jones? And he said, all day long. All day long. All day and long. you remember Kevin Mitchell was MVP that year. He was yeah. awesome. Uh, he was unbelievable. He was unbelievable. He was unbelievable. Um, I think he could still hit in the big leagues. He's if he drop good. a few pounds, I think he could. Um, you know, okay. you know, we talked about we talked about hitting, you know, pole hitter and stuff. That was a guy that went oppo taco. He was a guy that could hit the ball in the right field. He'd see a ball high outside, and he would hit it into right field. He was a really he could not only hit for power, but he could hit for average too. I, I thought he was one of the best players that I ever played with. And I played with Griffey. I played with you know Eric Davis. I played with guys like Trammell. I thought Kevin Mitchell was the best hitter I played with. Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of people who are around him feel like had he been, and I don't know what the word is, because uh, I really like the guy, but I, you know, I, I mean, I, he was playing with other teams when I was just getting into broadcasting and that kind of thing. Um, I, I don't know if it was a lack of focus. I don't know if it was a lack of dedication. I don't know what it was. Uh, but, but I feel like that was a guy that missed the chance on being one of the greats in baseball. You agree with that? Yeah. I think he had some distractions. Yeah. And I don't did. want to get into it because yeah, that, that's did. too he personal did. and stuff. He and did. I know a couple of players actually got upset about that, but I, I don't want to get into that. But he really was. And he was a guy, and Tom, he could play different positions. I've actually seen Kevin Mitchell play shortstop with the Mets. Yeah. I mean, he oh, could I mean, play third base, right? Yep. Yep. When you looked at his body as a young player with the Mets when he came up and played in that 86 World Series, uh, when they beat Boston. I think he was a rookie that year. Mm. I mean, you know, he, lean, always tough, strong, but then the years go by like a lot of us and you start going on. Okay, listen, I, I, I want to I tie a ribbon around the Mexico trip. Um, you sure? You, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very sure because we have a lot okay. of people asking about it. couple of topics let me okay. throw on my cheaters here. Um, one guy wanted to know, um, did you ever get together again with the swinger couple from England? <laughs> no, we, tr we avoided those, those people. I mean, they were so shaky. To invite us to their room at 2.30 in the morning for a nightcap, what the hell is that? Who does that? 2.30 in the morning? I mean, here's the one woman. She's got maybe three teeth. <laughs> She's missing teeth. You know how those Brits are. They don't care about going to the dentist. It's just crazy. I wonder, that might not be a bad thing, though, Tom, if you really dive into it. Think about it. <laughs> We're not going to dive into it. Oh. <laughs> so you didn't spend any more time with them? No. <laughs> they, were, they were, hey, listen, I can be shaky. Danae could be shaky. Those people are real shaky. Do not trust the Brits. All right. Um, uh, then, then we go to uh, the last time you were with us. I thought you had done a beautiful thing. Uh, I thought about doing it over the weekend, and then things kind of got foggy. Uh, about decorating <laughs> the bedroom where you had the, yeah. the, uh, the, the, uh, 
balloons, heart-shaped balloons, a whole nine yards. Did the rest of the trip from the room you were in, the construction, uh, your time with Danae, did all of that get better? Well, it didn't really go in a good direction. Danae and I had a little argument going back and forth. Here's what's so stupid. I'm staying at a six-star resort, right? They're not, I mean, who knows anything about six-star resort? I've heard of five, right, Tom? You've stayed Well, I've heard five. of five. I've never heard of six, but you're in a yeah. different class than I am. So yeah. maybe there is totally a totally different class. I, I agree, totally different class. <laughs> so we're at a restaurant, right? Danae, it's all inclusive, people, okay? All inclusive. She orders a bottle of wine, okay? Danae, how much is that bottle of wine? $150, Tom. $150. And, that, and that's not, when you order something like that, just for those, and, and I've never been at a place like you have, but you shared oh, with yes, Casey about what an all-inclusive is. When you order a $150 bottle of wine, that's not part of the all-inclusive. I think that's the point that's you're right. making here, right? That is the point I'm making. To okay. order a $150 bottle of wine, um, I just, I just couldn't believe it. I was shaking my head. And after we finished, I said, uh, I turned to Danae and said, let's order another bottle. Let's, let's live a little bit. So we ordered another bottle. Why not, Tom? Why when not? in Rome. Yep. Why not? Hey, one more thing too. Well, then we got a whole bunch of things. Went to the airport. You ready for this? Now, this is a true story. Do you know Guy Fieri? Uh, the chef? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, know, I mean, I know who he is. Yeah, you probably know him. I just know who he is. Yeah, he's never had a food he didn't like. Um, so we go to his restaurant, right? We go to his restaurant. I said today, do you want to eat? Yeah, I'm a little hungry. Okay, let's go eat. So we sit down at Guy Fieri, order a hamburger, fries, and a Coke. Now, the Coke you can't refill. One serving of Coke. Right? Because you know Coke's so expensive, right? You can't have, who does that, first of all? Hamburger, horrible, no taste, just god awful. Do you know how much my bill was, Tom? Take just, did each of you have you the same thing? Fries and Coke. Yeah. Okay, I, I'm guessing maybe um, 35, 40 bucks. Perfect. Boy, you know your money. That's why you have some money. Right? Because you know the value of a dollar. No, 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 people. $52. You hear me? So, so, so what's the point? What's the point? What's the point? I mean, what, what, I mean, who cares? We're talking about your trip, and you're telling me about a $52 hamburger where there's no refill for a Coke. I asked you how the rest of the trip went. Well, that's, I'm coming home. I'm getting on the plane. I don't want to spend another 50 And then you add tip? It was over $62, Tom, for a friggin' hamburger. Now, come on. How do you think I have money? You think I'm nickel and diming myself to death? Well, the last time I saw you that you were on the show, you literally looked like some dude in Vegas because you just had cash in both hands you had to hold it with. So I figure I by the end of the trip, you still, got a, you still got two hands full of cash and you pay 60 bucks, guy like you, move on. You know what? I still have all that cash. That was tipping money, a lot of dollars and fives. And I tell you what, Casey, I haven't forgot about you. Maybe we could have Trace. Maybe we can all go to the brass ass for your bachelor party. What about that? And actually, what about inviting 
your dad? Do you think your dad would go? Marty or my dad? Uh, I, I think your, your dad. dad. He said your dad. Well, I don't. I didn't know if he was talking about my. He's dad. talking I'm, about your dad, Laura. Uh, no, I don't think my dad would be into that sort of thing, unfortunately. But all my friends are super excited. They 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 are all talking about you planning the the bachelor party. They're so excited to to meet you, the legendary Tracy Jones, of course. Okay, and so let me just say this. Let me let me just say this. And I know your dad and Marty would probably like this. The brass ass ha appeals to a lot of different people, right? And you go to the brass ass, and they have a pole. And if you don't, if you've never been to a, a strip bar, then the girls perform. There's a woman that's probably about 65 years old, and she does her routine on a walker. Your dad and Marty might enjoy that. I mean, so whatever floats your boat, Tom. Tracy, there's a lot of people in the chat that are asking uh, asking about you uh, coming on here a little more often, and maybe if maybe if you can take Casey down to the brass ass, we can at the same time we can convince you to come on here a little more. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I do. I think that you need that star power. Don't you think, Tom? <laughs> I definitely do. There is no question about that. Hey, the geofinancing or the geofencing uh, technology was interesting. And I think there's a lot of legs on this. And just the advantage that a home team would have if you had all your fans rooting for you. Can you imagine the Super Bowl, you know, big games? I mean, it really is an X factor. The fans are the 10th man. And I think this is something that nobody's talking about. And that, that is why Padres over the Dodgers because of this technology. And it worked for them. Tracy, we thank you for your insight. Uh, this has been fantastic per usual. Uh, welcome back to the United States. It's always better having you right here in the, in the good old U.S. of A. Right in Bellevue, KY. And, uh, and you will be joining us again on Thursday where we can talk about we'll be two games into the NLCS. We'll be uh, one game into the ALCS. And I am picking against you tonight. I say the Guardians win that game this afternoon in the Bronx. Why do you say that? I, there's just a vibe and a feel I have. The Yankees uh, have only been good when they have Garrett Cole on the mound. And he just well, bailed him out the other night. I have a you feeling the Guardians win that game tonight. <laughs> what big league team did you play for? Now, I will say this, Tom. You are special because you did broadcast for three major league teams, right? Who, who, the Reds, the Diamondbacks, and the Cubs. Correct. Think about how special that is and how people wanted you. Think about if you just am a broadcaster with one team. I mean, that's not a big deal, right? I don't know who we could. I mean, just think about it. That's not a big deal. But to broadcast for three major league teams, Tom, you need to pat yourself on the back, buddy. You've accomplished a lot. There, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. I find myself doing that regularly. And, and I'll bring up that other topic, or maybe you should with my dad, about announcing just for one team. That's not a big deal. I mean, you got Vince Scully, you know. But you did for three. <laughs> on that note. I will, uh, I will bid you adieu, Mr. Jones. Thank you for your time today, Tracer. We'll see you on Thursday. Yeah, and Trace, let me just ask you, why did, what's the deal? Did your, did your mom and dad forget the why on your name? Why Trace? Kind of weird. Well, kind of well, I mean, 
Simple, simple. Actually, I think that the proper way of doing it is leaving the Y off of there, just largely because Tracy's a girl name. Okay, that's enough. I will not tolerate that at all. How we may have you. to get into that on Thursday. I think that's a hell of a topic to talk about and what it was like for you uh, as a football star, basketball star, baseball star in Southern California. Of course, they were ahead of the times out there, right? I mean, you couldn't make fun of a of a boy for his name or any of that kind of thing in California. I mean, you could have gotten away with that maybe in the Bronx. Tracy, what'd your dad call you? Actually. No, go ahead and say it. Say it. Say it, Tracy. What did your dad call you? He actually called me 29. No, that's not what My I heard. remember with the Reds. My dad was so proud of me. When your dad would visit, Tom, my dad used and your dad would stay with my mom and dad. Did you know that? When they're in Los Angeles? And my Marty and my dad used to watch highlights of me playing. And it, Marty seemed to enjoy it. My dad, they used to walk at night, and my dad used to wear my 24 jersey. And Marty thought that was just the greatest. I was I number 24 with you. I think it's awesome. I mean, I've heard a lot of stories about your dad, and, uh, and my dad loved him. I know that. Yeah. I know that. I, know. I got a whole bunch of stories. He loves well, strip bars, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I tried to say goodbye before all this started uh, yeah. again, okay? All right. Tom, Wait, I can sir. go another half hour. Okay, I got to go. I got to go. So I'm getting a little punchy now. Three pots of coffee. Yeah, Your, your fasting is going well, though. Yeah, I got those uh, kidney stones. I got to go to the doctor tomorrow. Oh, it's not good. No, Yesterday, not I spent good. all day in bed. I mean, the show must go on. I've had a broken nose, right? I've had kidney stones, and yet I still go on the show. You what need a damn fan, about? Tracy. Oh, That's God. Big I sweat time. like a dog. That's big time. Yeah. A lot of lights. Right. Tracy, have a good day. Hope the doctor's right, appointment goes well. We'll talk more about that visit on Thursday. All right. I'll see you guys. All right. Tracy Jones. Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Trace, you're the boss. No, oh, we need to get the man. I mean, I, I've been saying that since the start. Tom can back me up on this. When we first started this endeavor, you were bringing up names, and I'm fairly confident that I brought up Tracy Jones first. You did. You did. You said right from the beginning, this is a guy we've got to get on regularly, his work at WLW, right, all those years. Yep. How in the world, and look, my family's been tied to that radio station, and I have incredible respect for them and the whole nine yards. But it, 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 there are certain people you just can't let walk out the door. No. You can't let it happen. And, 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 and you can't let Tracy Jones walk out the door. Well, I think the, the issue isn't Cincinnati-based. Obviously, I don't think it's actually 700 WLW. That's not the issue. The issue is that you've got a conglomerate, yeah, corporate, a national corporate, company. Right. North, then, New and, York, and, and, New York. Yeah, and folks that don't watch the show regularly or don't tune in to Tracy all that much, they get a couple clips and they get them sent to them. And you know how this world is. There's going to be someone that complains about anything. So, yeah, someone in New York or somewhere maybe in L.A. or wherever. The I think it's New York. Someone in New York seen a couple clips, didn't like it, and I'm sure that caused some uh, some heartache down there at the station. But, hey, their loss is our gain. That's right. That seems to be the chatterbox way. Amen. And we're grateful for it. I know Tracy is, and no more so than me. 
Uh, Casey, any final thoughts before we say goodbye? You all right? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm worried about what my fiance is going to do to <laughs> <Yeah>. me when <laughs> she sees Casey, you have nothing back. to do with any of it. Yeah, it's right. your choice at this yeah. point in time on where you want to go. Now, I got to tell you, you're not doing yourself any favors. If you're worried about that, you are not doing yourself any favors at all by continuing to uh, support the idea of Tracy running your bachelor party. If you just come right out and say, Tracer, look, I appreciate it, but I'm going to pass. Then when you get home, she is going to give you a big, huge hug. It'll be one of the last you get for a while, uh, the longer you're together. But she's going to give you a big, huge hug and say, you know what? That was big league, as I like to say. That was big league. But you keep proposing the possibility of Tracy. Your buddies want to get to know him. They want to know Tracy Jones. They're excited where he might take you and the things you might do. Then your ass is in a sling when you get home later tonight. Jim Lewis just popped in the chat and said, make Tracy Jones your best man. <laughs> Not a bad idea. <laughs> I, can't, well, I couldn't do that to my best man. Uh, aren't there some weddings where they have multiple best men? I mean... I did. I had two. Just a thought. You, two. you know, you got, I got my dad, and then I got, uh, and then I got a buddy of mine. There you go. Maybe it's a thought. Thought I'll save in the. But you know what I'm saying about the bachelor party thing. I understand. There's a part of you I can see it in your eyes when you're <laughs> yeah. talking to him. So can Trace, right? <laughs> yeah. This there is, is a part of you that is, and and she can see it because she's watching the show. There's a big part of you that is saying. I'd love for this guy to host my bachelor party. <laughs> there is a part of me. Did There's you ever see the movie Animal House? Animal House? Yeah. I've seen clips of it. Yeah. Clips of it? I've never watched it all the way through. Okay. There's one scene, right, where the guy's got a decision to make. And an angel is sitting on one shoulder and Satan is sitting on the other shoulder. And they're going back and forth, Right. Back and forth. We all face these kinds of decisions every day of our lives. Morning, noon, and night. That's the way God created this world, right? And you're, you're right there with this guy, and you ought to go back and find this clip and just watch that because that's where you are. Trace, am I right? I think so. I mean, there's a small part of Casey that's just not putting its bed for a very good reason. And I'm not comparing Tracy Jones to Satan. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying <laughs> you've, got, you've got the good and the bad weighing, and what are we going to do? And believe me, I can speak from experience. Regretfully, you, you know, sometimes you go down the path you wish you did. But you are a big boy and a grown man about to get married and have a decision to make yep. before you exchange your vows. Would you do it if it, if it meant that Tracy was going to come on here more often? Absolutely. Oh, look at that. If he comes on more often. Now we're getting, now we're getting somewhere. If he comes more often, what? Then, it, then he's going to let him host it. Yeah. He's gonna take What's that got to do with your fiance? Well, I think that I think it's it for just the greater shows, good of this company. Exactly. This it just show shows and... how much Casey's committed ah, to getting the market. Ah, okay. Big, big picture thinker. Yeah. Okay. It's a long-term deal. The more success this company has, the more money, money you'll have, and that definitely helps. Now we're talking. See, now we're getting somewhere. Right. Okay. Well, you know that old saying in the Bible about you know, 
Is it worth it, the man who sells his soul? Right? Has all the riches, <laughs> yet sells his soul. Yeah, fair enough. Decision time in the McAllister household. We'll have a full report on that tomorrow. Trace, Casey, Dunce still sitting in the corner over there. I'm going to go out and buy a Dunce cap <laughs> for Brandon Seho. He is a band in the program just as we're getting going. Maybe that's a foreshadowing of where this program is going. <laughs> Possibly. Have a good day. We'll see you tomorrow.